on, church. Man, give it up for Jesus this morning. Come on. That's all you got for Jesus? Let's go. Man, oh man, it is great to be back here with you today. It is Sunday. It is our fun day. Amen, indeed, man. It's, it's awesome to be here with you and, and to celebrate people taking their next steps with Jesus, but also to celebrate that we have a new sister in Christ. You know, we celebrate, we celebrate Tessa's salvation, man. It's praise to God that he called her to herself to be her child. Man, if you are new with us today, welcome, man. Welcome to Vertical Church. Come on, church. We love the fact that you are here today and you're coming. You know, I thought like, man, today's going to be an amazing day. I got up. I ironed my shirt. I think. Okay, so I didn't iron my shirt. Some of you, so the men are like, it looks like you did a good job. Lay's like, dude, you're all sorts of wrinkled. So I got up and I was like, man, it's going to be great. When outside, it's freezing cold. What's going on outside? That's insane. Come back, Lord, and bring it back, bring it back. Right? But anyways, man, it's great to have you with us this morning. If you're a guest, we love the fact that you are here to come and hang with us this morning as we chase this life, what it means to live for and live in Jesus Christ. If you haven't figured it out yet in the first half hour, we are all about Jesus around here, and we are stoked that you are with us. We hope that you feel welcome and wanted and you come back and join us next week as we continue to walk through this series that we've been in, and this series is titled, But God. But God, a series that is completely relevant for every single one of us in the room. And good morning to those of you who are joining us online. It is relevant for you as well. Two words, but God. Six letters, but God, that have the power and the authority to radically work out things in our lives we never thought were possible. When we come against challenges, we come against obstacles, these two words, but God, have the power and authority of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to change everything, is if our life was heading in this direction, 100 miles an hour, but God steps in and intervenes, and he changes everything. Changes everything. I say it all the time, friends. Jesus changes everything. And this book that we study and we open, have a conversation with, it is filled with people that have had but God moments in their lives. And in this room, right here, right now, there is many of you in this room, you are filled in your life with but God moments in our lives. There are opportunities for every single one of us to embrace but God. I was addicted, but God freed me. Now I'm clean. I was broke, but God revealed to me the truth about how to live with money, and now I'm out of debt. My marriage was falling apart, but God stepped in and showed me what it means to be a godly husband, wife to be a godly wife, what it looks like to have a godly marriage. Now our marriage is not just surviving, it is thriving. My children were, were loving and living in the world and embracing everything it has to offer. But God stepped into their lives, and now they are living for him. Man, but God, it is so real and so relevant for us. But this week, we're going to step into our conversation to have a conversation about our freedom in Christ. Friends, in Jesus, we are free. Jesus said himself, he says, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. In Jesus Christ, we are set free. We are set free from the power of sin. We are set free from eternal death. We are 
free. But what happens to you and I, and many of us in this room, is our freedom is short-lived. Or maybe it's better said this way, we are, how we live free is short-lived. I want to make sure really clear for everyone in this room, you cannot lose your salvation. It is solid in Jesus Christ. But we sure can turn and live as if we never embraced the grace of Jesus. Does that make it clear? We can turn and live as if we never embraced the grace of Jesus. And what pulls us away because of one word in our lives, and this is word on the screen. Take a look at this. It's called temptation. Temptation. Does anybody here struggle with temptation in your life? Everybody should be raising their hand right about now. I just want to throw that out there. I don't think I need to convince you or everyone in this room that temptation is real. I don't think I need to convince you that the damage it can do in our lives, how it steals our freedom, how it takes us captive, and the things of this world take us down. But I do believe that many of us, including myself, miss that it doesn't need to happen. It doesn't need to be that way. We have victory because we have victory in Jesus. We have victory over temptation because we have victory in Jesus. But why, again, I said it before, Vic, Jesus sets us free. In the midst of every single temptation that you and I will face in life, there is a but God moment in our life, but God sets us free moment at any time and anywhere. You don't look convinced. So let me show you. Open your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're starting at verse 11 this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. If you grab an orange Bible on the way in, you will find on page 783. Page 783. By the way, if you grab an orange Bible and you don't have a Bible of your own, please take it. That is our gift to you. We desire for you to have a copy of God's word in your hand. We want you to take that with you today. 1 Corinthians, as you open your Bibles or your Bible apps, whatever you're looking at God's word this morning, was written by a follower of Jesus named Paul. Paul gave his life to serve Jesus. He was a follower of Jesus, and he gave his life to serve Jesus, right? He was proclaiming the gospel. He planted churches, and he wrote letters. And those letters are found in our New Testament. He was writing letters to churches all around the Mesopotamia area, encouraging them to live accordance to the hope they have in their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So if you have your Bibles open, let's kick things off by looking at verse 11 today. And it says, these things happened to them as examples as they were written down as a warnings for us on whom the culmination of ages has come. Now we read this verse and right now I think that many of you in this room are asking yourself, what are these things? Is anybody think, thinking that right now? I think you are because you are smart people and smart people ask great questions. So, great question. What are these things? And in the previous verses, when you go back and read them, what Paul does is he walks his readers through some history of the nation of Israel, of God's people, reminding them how the previous generations lived, how they, they took their position with God for granted, and they started making poor decisions, started worshiping other gods and doing things that didn't please God, and their life didn't please God, and that cost many of them their lives. 
That's to say these people, all those things that I just listed, Paul was saying, all these things I just listed, they happened to them and they can happen to you. If you're not smart, if you're no make wise decisions, if you're not alert, they could happen to you. And then he goes on to say in verse 12, this is very clear. So if you think that you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. All these things that I just listed off in his previous conversation with you, all the things that they did, and it cost many of their lives, if you think that you're standing strong, be careful. If you think you've got it figured out, be careful. In fact, this is what I think he's saying. Don't think that your position in Christ is outside the battlegrounds of your enemy. Don't think that you're standing firm, that you're outside of the enemy working against you and trying to pull you down. If you're walking around singing that song in your head, in Christ, the solid rock I stand, other ground is... I just draw you guys in every time. You have been warned. You have been warned. Yes, that is true. But in life, in real life, the life that we're living today, this morning, man, there are pitfalls. There are, there are rope snags. There are booby traps. There are potholes. There's things all around us in life that try to take us down. In fact, at the very beginning of chapter 10, Paul explicitly says, do not be ignorant to these things. You need to know them. You need to understand. Don't set them aside and forget them. Someone or something is going to try to derail your walk with Jesus, and you probably won't see it coming. And what's amazing or or amazingly relevant for everyone in this room today is what he says next in beginning of chapter uh, verse 13 he says no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind no temptation has overtaken you except what is mankind and this is what he's saying this is a first truth for you and i this morning is this is very very simple temptation is common temptation is common He's saying common to all mankind, meaning that it means everyone. It's all-inclusive. Temptation has nothing to do with gender. Temptation has nothing to do with your age. Every man, every woman, every teenager, every child. Yes, our kids. Come on. Yes, our kids are deal with temptation. I was once a kid. Let me just tell you. I fell in temptation many, many times to flip my dinner plate over because my mom dared to put vegetables on it. What was she thinking? Temptation hits everyone. Everyone. Why? Because every single one of us in this room have an area or areas in life where we have a place of weakness. A month ago or so, I think we went through one of the most temptation, uh, temptating seasons of the year, and it's that Girl Scout cookie season. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? I'm not a big sweets guy, but my favorite of those cookies are those Thin Mints. Come on. Which, may I add, are a complete contradiction to their name. Because when you eat four boxes, it does not make you thin. 
but they're so hard to say no, right? I mean, think about it. Think about that second. Your, do- your doorbell rings, and you open the door, and only to find those little dealers standing in front of you. I mean, Girl Scouts standing in front of you. Or you're going to Walmart, and you're like, I'm going to pick up a loaf of bread. And they look, all oh, look at you, the door at Walmart, no matter where they're setting up, like, would you like to buy some cookies? <laughs> and what are you going to say? Oh, my, I want some, I need some, I have to have some. Right? You just take you down one box at a time. That's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> the truth is, we all have areas in our lives that we're weak. And, but the temptation is strong. And to be clear, temptation comes in all forms, friends. All forms. In all directions. When we think of temptations, we immediately think of those areas that we think are like dark and dirty, like sex and pornography you know, those things that we label that way. But temptation comes at, us, come at us in so many ways. But what we do, we just rationalize them and say, oh, that's not temptation. I'm not falling into anything there because of this and this and this. What about addiction? When we think about addiction, we're addicted to drugs and alcohol and how they destroy our lives. What about being addicted to food? And how we, how we overeat how about being tempted to, to talk about others? We're tempted to slander, gossip. What about our emotions? How many in this room are tempted to give in to anger? You're tempted to give in to worry or anxiety. Do you know that 60% of Americans say their number one temptation in life is worry and anxiety? Temptation surrounds us externally and internally. So the question is, it's not that we do we struggle with temptation, but how do we overcome it? How do we overcome the temptation? The answer is we can't, but God can. Look at this in verse 13 again. It says, look at the second part of it. It says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And it says, And God is faithful. And God is faithful. What is beautiful about this verse is that if you look into the Greek of understanding, there's this word called day. It says day. And then 56% of the time in, in the New Testament, that word day is translated as but. But God is faithful. Right? No temptation has overcome you except for what's common to mankind, but God is faithful. Imagine that. Continue reading, it says, and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. By the way, this is one of those verses that the entire church world pulls out and twists out of context, says, God won't give you more than you can handle. That's a lie. God will give you plenty more than you can handle, so you rely on him. So don't take this and twist this. He's tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, look at this. He will also provide a way out so you can't endure it. Notice it doesn't say if you are tempted. It says when you are tempted. Temptation is not an if statement. It's a when, state, a when statement. 
And friends, I don't need to tell you this, but we're not always going to get it right. I think one of the greatest fallacies or false beliefs in Christianity or the church today is that when we give our lives to Jesus, that suddenly we're going to look like Jesus, right? We're going to act like Jesus. We're going to love like Jesus. That's just not true. We have what we need to live that way, but it's almost never an about face to be just like Jesus. What happens is when people come to Jesus and they become Christians, they become disappointed when they find this out. They, because they come to Jesus, think that they assume that all these things that they struggle with, all the problems they're dealing with in life are just going to go away. That they're going to have no more temptations. There's going to be no more failures. That I need to be absolutely perfect. Friends, you are not perfect. The only one who lived a perfect life is Jesus. There are times in our lives where God just rips things out of us. And we come to Christ, he's like, no, no, that's gone. But many times we walk through a process Becoming like Jesus is exactly that. A journey with Jesus is a process. It's not a, an event. It's a process we go through and we grow through. One of our core values, you see them on the wall out there, it says growing people change. That's exactly what we're talking about. The longer you walk with Jesus, you should be growing to become more like Jesus. We change. If you've been walking with Jesus for 10 years, your day one should look way different than your day 10 years whatever, 10 times 365,000 or 3,600, I don't know, whatever. That's a problem when I try to do math on the fly. And it has everything to do with this nerd word. I'm going to throw this out. Sometimes I like to do this, this thing called a nerd word. It's a, it's a word that we use inside the church, and the word is sanctification. Sanctification is the process of becoming more and more like Jesus and less like the world. That's what we're talking about. Growing people change. The process of sanctification. Becoming less like the world and more like our Savior. Salvation is an event. A point in our time and of our lives when we surrender everything to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. It's a once and done situation. And once it's done, it's done for good. But sanctification, becoming like Jesus, that is a lifetime. That is a process that we go through. And it's not just going to be this straight line and we go off in a diagonal. We're going to have wins and we're going to have failures. We're going to have wins and we're going to have failures. We're going to have wins and we're going to have failures. The process, though, is going up slowly, slowly, slowly. I came to Christ at 27 years old. In the past 23 years of my life, I've been trying to become more like him. Am I like him? No. Do I want to be? Yeah. Just to be clear, there is a difference between growing through temptation and struggling sin and knowingly choose, choosing to live in a sinful disobedience. So we, we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. We understand Romans 3.23 tells us that we are all going to sin fall short. But if there's a difference between that and choosing to live in sinful disobedience. 
we will be held accountable for what we know to be true and how we're called to live. The first truth, the first truth is that uh, temptation is common. The second truth for this this morning is temptation is not a sin. Temptation is not a sin. Scripture tells us that Jesus did not sin and that he lived a sinless life, but also tells us that he was tempted in every way like you and I are, but he did not sin. See, friends, it's what we do with temptation that could lead to sin. It's what we don't do with temptation that could lead to sin. But temptation itself is not sin. Jesus' brother James puts it this way in chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. He says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God can't be tempted by evil, nor he does he tempt anyone. Look at this, verse 14. But each person is tempted when they dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Temptation is alluring. It draws us in like bait on a hook. It sits in front of us and puts in this pretty package of that what our evil desires, our ungodly desires is, lies within us that we want to live out. It says, here, here's this pretty package. Why don't you come and get me? I look really nice. It's really pleasing to the eye. It'll make you feel really good. And it just wants to bait us in. Waiting, waiting to snag us. You know, I was, uh, grew up, a lot of my buddies and I, we did a lot of pond fishing. I don't fish anymore because I gave up when I was a teenager because I was always tempted to throw my pole and tackle box in the pond because <laughs> I never caught anything. Well, that's not true. My, fen- my friends would catch the bass and I would catch those little sunfish what are you going to do with those stinking things? I just try to cast them back out there and see if I can get something bigger. Never worked, right? So I gave up. But there's one thing I learned really quick when it came to fishing. Fish are a few french fries short of a happy meal. <laughs> they are. They're, they're, their, goal, their goal in life is the max amount of gratification with the least amount of energy or work. I mean, think about their lives. It's all for them. Life is all about I want a worm. I see a worm. I must eat the worm, right? That's why we put a worm on the hook. I mean, they don't stop and reflect on what happened to them. They don't stop and reflect what happened to their family members or their friends. They don't stop and think, okay, the last time I chased after this worm, just sitting right there in a little thing, man, I felt lost. I lost an eye or I lost an ear or I lost a fin or think about that thing. Or the last time that I didn't think about how I lost Nemo, my best friend. (laughs) The temptation for them is too great. And they go that for it every single time. But what about us? Isn't that the same for us? Doesn't our temptation bait us in too? What if if we put what tempts us 
on this hook. This is a 10-inch shark hook. We put it on there. What would happen if we're looking at it, look at it, and I just took this thing like we do when you snag it, like you feel it going, we snag it. What would happen if I just yanked that through my cheek? Yeah. Blood in the water. Blood on the stage. Riches going down. That's exactly what happens when it comes to temptation. We're looking at it. We think it's really beautiful. We think I need to have it. It's dragging us in. And as soon as we go for it, snag. It takes us out. And it causes so much unneeded pain in our lives. And normally, the pain doesn't just stop with us. We hurt other people around us as well. Now, right now, you're thinking to yourselves, Rich, I'm smarter than a fish. Some of you have already tuned me out because I, you took offense that I compared you to a fish. But y'all, really, that's exactly what happens to you and I. That's exactly what happens when you and I give in to our temptations. They dangle in front of us, luring us in, snagging us and taking us down, and we end up in places we don't want to be. But I'm so thankful that's not the end of the story. If that was, life would be pretty depressing. I'd rather be a fish. But this is where those two powerful words step into our lives. They step into our lives and walk us back from temptation or stop us from falling victim to temptation, giving us victory and freedom that we have in Jesus. And it's those two words, but God. But God is faithful. He knows what's in front of us. He knows where we are weak. He knows what's going to take us down. But God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But where you are tempted, he will also provide you and I a way out from it. He's going to see that it's there, and he's going to show us a way past it. Push it aside. Ignore it. I have a better life for you. This is the truth that we have to grab a hold of. Every single time there's a fish hook in front of us, baiting it in, baiting us in, wanting us to take us down, there's a but God moment in our lives. He gives us a way out. He gives us a way to handle the pressure and the stress in life. He gives us the reminders to keep our mouths shut. He gives us the peace overcomes our anxieties. He gives us the options to redeem our times or our time. He, re, he provides a way out. Our secret weapon to overcoming temptation and finding success and living in freedom in Jesus Christ are found in two words. But God. Now, if we were to stop here this morning, right now, we wouldn't know what we need to know to have victory. You may hear these things, okay, we all have a but God moment in our lives, but you might not, you may be inspired for victory, but let me just tell you, inspiration isn't sanctification. We need to know what victory looks like. We need to know how to get there. So I'm going to give you three, three things we can walk through this morning. The first one 
is understand when it comes to temptation, willpower won't work. Willpower will not work. This is our default mode when things get tough. We'll just get tougher. We've done that all our lives. We told just, you know, pick it up, rub your, rub your dirt in your eyes, and get going. Get tougher. Do good and try harder doesn't work. It only offers us temporary wins, not victory. It's not about a willpower. Our natural desires got us into these messes, but they do not have the power for us to get them out. That's why we need supernatural divine intervention. I've said this before, and this is solely, totally true. Supernatural eats natural for breakfast every time. Supernatural eats natural for breakfast every time, meaning that we need God to step in and take complete control of what we're facing because what you and I have can't get out of it on our own. We need God's divine intervention. Our try-hards fail in comparison to what God can do in our lives. Friends, the Christian life is not about working harder. It's about working less and surrendering more. Waving the white flag, admitting our weaknesses, our brokenness, and surrender ourselves to God. Galatians 5.16 says, so I, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I think it's very, very clear. We don't walk in our own strength. We walk in the but God's strength. Two. Two. The word is your weapon. The word is your weapon. The word of God needs to be our weapon of choice. Church, read your read your Bibles. The problem that many of us face when it comes to the word of God, we don't approach the scripture, the Bible in that manner. We don't have a high view of scripture in our lives. Man, we may have a high view of, of the Bible and how we treat it, but we may not have a high view of how the Bible needs to work through us and change our, how we live in our lives. Think about this. We buy those fancy cases to put our, our Bible in, like we're going to keep it protected. We get those little, those little tabs to know where the, the books are, make it look really pretty. We buy those special highlighters because, you know, the real highlighters go through three or four pages, and we don't want any of that. And we need, we need to honor this book. We love to mark up our Bibles, but we fail to let the Bible mark up our lives. The Word is our weapon. We are not just to read it. We are to read it and live it. And if we don't, we leave the most powerful weapon outside the Holy Spirit on the shelf. And with it, God, I got this. I got this on my own strength. We need to be equipped 
And the only way that you and I can be equipped for this world is to read this word, meditate this word, memorize this word, and live this word. And when we do, we'll find victory. And we will declare war on our sin and our temptations and fight for freedom. We'll let the word of God do the work of God in our lives. And the third one is we walk in freedom. We walk in freedom. Galatians 5.1, it says, It is for freedom in Christ that set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. In other words, our appetites, when they begin to control us, we become slaves. Our appetites, those temptations that we keep on going after because it looks so delicious on a hook, we become slaves the sin. But when I come to the cross, when it comes to Jesus Christ, man, he set us free. He paid the price for our sin. He takes the hook out of our mouths. And we just need to say, yes, God, yes, God, but God. Intervene in my life. Show me the way out. Let me not fall into my, into my temptation. Let me just follow you in, in sweet obedience. God will always provide a way out. But we just have to be in tune. We have to be walking through life with our eyes open, ears opening, listening, and willing to surrender. We have to take everything he has given us and choose to use it to find victory. So we can be people who say, I was losing to my temptations, but God set me free. And that's available for every single one of us in the room. I read verses like this. I read verses where God will provide a way out and I think sometimes we just don't believe it's true. And I can't think that God's going to tell us something that isn't true. But it's just because his word is truth. If we can believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sin and rose from the grave, we surrender our lives, we have eternal life, we're like, oh, that's my eternity with Jesus. We can believe that God's going to provide a way for us to step out and run from temptation. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for everything you provide. We thank you for your spirit that resides within us as your children. We thank you for your word of truth that you made available for all of us. God, we believe what your word says. When we stand before the temptation, when we're worried about being taken down, that we believe that you're going to show us a way out. But God, I don't want us just to believe in that. God, I want us to look for it, seek it, find it, live it. We are free through your son, Jesus Christ. And I desire for us to be a church who lives out our freedom. That we're no longer tied to this yoke of slavery because of our sin.
Convict us today not to work hard and try hard on our own, but to surrender it all to you. Let you be the Lord and leader of our lives. And may our lives bring you glory and be a testimony to those around us that Jesus does change everything. Right now, I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward. And if you're sitting here with us this morning and you've been falling, falling to your temptations, you are looking to find victory, you're looking to find freedom, I'm going to ask you to come forward and talk to our prayer team. They want to lift you up in prayer. They want to pray over you and pray with you so you can experience freedom. Again, it's not about us working hard and doing our own thing, but letting God do his thing in our lives. And as a body, we work together. God, you get all the glory. You get all the praise. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless, church. Have an amazing week.